Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we're talking about the quarterbacks. Um, specifically, who's going to be the starter this year, and why, and all of that. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth about that question over the offseason um, between Brendan Lewis and JT Shroud. Um, I'm trying to think back now when Sam was around. I still think I was saying he's probably the least likely to get the job, but I'd have to go back and double check for sure. I'm kind of curious though. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the plan for today is to go through these quarterbacks. Camp is right around the corner, so we've got to get this preview in. Um, before we do that though, I want to start by say a couple more words about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, the Colorado XOs. For those of you who don't know, that's a rugby team based here in Colorado. I'm actually in Montana still for a wedding tomorrow, and I'm about to go to a rehearsal dinner the minute this is over. Um, but for you guys still in Montana, that's where the Colorado, oh, in Colorado, that's where the Colorado XOs are. Um, they uh, just finished their first season, went 500, got a few guys into Major League Rugby, and that's the goal. They're taking athletes from other sports, teaching them how to play rugby, and the results speak for themselves. Um, you also have the Olympics going on with Olympic rugby going on. So definitely be following along with the DNVR Rugby podcast, DNVR Rugby on Twitter, um, the website, all that stuff, because they're doing the best coverage that there is for Olympic rugby. So follow along with them and all that too. All right. So these quarterbacks. Um, I'm going to start with this. I think that as of today... 
Brendan Lewis has a slight edge over JT Shroud. Um, if I had to guess, I would say, let's just call it 60-40. You know, I almost did like the 65 or the 60-35 and like 5% that Drew Carter comes out of nowhere and wins the job. But I don't think that's going to happen. And part of the reason for that is, and maybe we should just get Drew Carter out of the way first. Um, the big reason is that on Tuesday, Pac-12 Media Day, Carl said, this is a two-man race. And because of that, I, I'm willing to take his word for it. They're going to be giving all of the important reps to those two. I don't think that Drew Carter can climb into this competition. And for that reason, we're going with it's 60-40 straight up between those two. Um, like I said, let's just knock Drew Carter out of the way right off the bat. Um, there's a lot to like about him. You know, he's he's a mobile quarterback. He's a, a good athlete. I think he has a pretty big arm. Um, he's obviously young, a, a true freshman, like a real true freshman. He was around for spring ball, which helps for sure, but he's just raw. And he isn't somebody who I think we looked at and said he's going to be ready to go quickly. Um, I believe he's from, what, Tigard, Oregon? Um, Tigard, however you say that. Um, Tigard, maybe. But uh, he's, what, he's, he's a big guy. He's talented. You know, if... If the dream is for Brendan Lewis to be kind of like Lamar Jackson, I think that Drew Carter's more in that Patrick Mahomes mold. Um, he isn't. He isn't like an, an a a runner and a juker. Um, he can absolutely do those things. And what he he had offers to play basketball and potentially could be playing basketball at CU still. Um, we just kind of have to wait and see how that plays out. Seems unlikely for a quarterback who wants to someday be the starter, take that path. Hey, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, he, while he isn't like the like sprinter downhill, make people miss, go, 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 you know, 12 carries a game type of running back, he is, or quarterback, he is capable of taking what the defense gives him with his legs, extending plays by getting out of the pocket. Um, and like I said, he has a big arm. He can get the ball downfield. And to be honest, that's about all we know about him to this point. Um, once we get through, I bet there will be some some scrimmages in the fall, uh, at least one scrimmage in the fall that will be open to the media, open to fans, all that. And we can potentially go see what he looks like. But again... If I had to say today, um, I don't think that he factors into the competition this year. Um, I think that, you know, that's the weird thing, is that if, if one of these two, J.T. Shrout or Brendan Lewis, goes and plays well this year, then they're probably the guy going into next year. And if that's the case, who knows, you might even see the other one transfer. Um, but if things go the other way and say, let's just say it's J.T. who wins the job out of camp, and they play the first few games... Um, you know, they, they beat Northern Colorado like they should lose to Texas A&M. Things don't look great offensively. And then you go and you lose to Minnesota. And again, he just doesn't look all that sharp. And then you, you have like a quarterback change heading into conference play. Give, give a guy who has almost no tape on him a chance to go make something happen. And, and then Brendan goes and you know what? He, he's, he's solid. Um, the Buffs go, what, nine conference games, so they go three and six, let's say, in conference, giving them a four and, t or four and eight record on the season. 
if that's kind of the path, then yeah, the job is going to be up for grabs again next year. I think that Drew Carter is very much in play then. Um, if, like I said, you know, Brendan Lewis wins the job out of camp, looks good. They they go two and one in non conference play. They go six and three in conference play. Five and four maybe is enough too. Um, then you might just go into the offseason saying, hey, Brendan's our guy. This is our team. We saw him progress throughout the season. Um, he's a talented guy. We're excited to see what happens, and we want to give him as many of the first-team reps as possible to, to keep things moving forward heading into his third year on campus and second year as, a, as, as the starter. Um, you know, there's a couple different paths here, and I think it's, it's hard to handicap whether this job will be up for grabs again um, in the near future. Because both of these two guys who have, I think, a chance to win it, um, you know, Brendan, he has four years left. And actually, if JT wins the job and Brendan doesn't play this year, Brendan can redshirt this year and then have four years left starting next year. Um, Crazy to think about, but that's what COVID does with that extra year of eligibility everybody received. Um, JT, he has, what, three years of eligibility left? And I think that that might be the... If, if I could get anything across to you guys today, um, I think number one would be that if JT Shrout wins this job, that doesn't necessarily mean that like the Buffs took the the you know, stop gap, like, we've got somebody to patch this for a year and we'll figure it out for long-term next year, whether that's Brendan, whether it's Drew, whether it's a... Tra- no. There's a chance that JT comes in, plays well, and he's somebody that you can build on, um, not just for 2021, but also 2022 and 2023. You know, he isn't just a short-term solution if he does wind up being the solution. So that was something I want to make sure we're on the same page of. Well, it's easy to like look at Brendan and say, hey, he's a young guy. There's there's a lot of good things that could be on the way. If he's good, then we could have him for a couple of years, three, four years, and you know, have, have an identity on offense. Just because we've been following Brendan for a couple of years now through the recruiting, um, through his commitment, through signing day, through the year where he didn't play until the bowl game last year, and now this... I think that that makes it easy to see him as like, oh yeah, he's just progressing slowly while JT is taking a little bit different route. He still has only, what, one year less eligibility than Brendan. And you know what? And if you look at these these numbers, JT, he plays three years. Brendan takes a redshirt year this year, doesn't play the next two years. Well, then he's still got two years of eligibility after JT leaves if JT plays all three seasons that he could potentially play for Colorado. So you could potentially have like a five-year solution in this quarterback battle. It is unlikely, you know, just the way things go now, if a quarterback doesn't get a starting job, they are more likely to transfer. Um, if, if, if JT wins the job this year, I don't expect Brendan to transfer. You know, I, I'll say this, if JT wins the job, and then the Buffs make it to the Pac-12 championship game, and the offense was clicking not just in the running game, but you know he throws 25 touchdowns and six interceptions, well then, yeah, 
then you understand why Brendan Lewis would want to look for another opportunity. And I also don't think that it would be the end of the world because obviously Colorado's gotten a quarterback they can handle. And I think that the same is probably true in the reverse. Um, If Brendan Lewis wins the job decisively and plays really well, then yeah, JT might go to another school. I do think that it's worth noting that if he does go to another school, he will uh, he he won't get to benefit from the one-time transfer rule, obviously, because it will be a second transfer. And so you know he doesn't play this year, so he has two years of eligibility left. He doesn't play the next year because he's not allowed to. Well, then he has one year of eligibility left, and you know I could see that pushing him toward a transfer because. You know, if, if he waits one more year, then that year he sits out is his last year of eligibility. I could also see that as a reason for him to kind of lag behind, especially if Brendan's really good. You know, if, if Brendan just goes and tears it up, I mean, there's a world in which he is headed to the NFL after next season. It's very unlikely. Very, very unlikely. Um, just like when you look at the odds, um, how many of those guys exist in all of college football in any given year. It's, it's a small number who only play the minimum three seasons at quarterback and go to the league. But hey, if, if I think Brendan Lewis is everything that we all want him to be, then yeah, that, that is one of the potential outcomes of all of this. And again, you do have Drew Carter right there. And so even if you do wind up in a scenario where you know, worst comes to worst, and JT does start, um, and he's an average Pac-12 starter, maybe even a little bit below average, but, you know, Brendan still says, I want to transfer, which, again, I don't think would be the right decision. I don't think it'd be a decision that would make much sense unless JT really, really proves that he's the guy. Sometimes people make decisions that don't make sense, and maybe there's family issues, whatever. He wants to get closer, whatever. Um, And he leaves. You still got Drew Carter to compete next year. Um, And so you have opportunities. Plus, isn't Owen McCown, is he on campus next year? Again, probably don't expect him to play as a true freshman, but hey, it's another option. And then there's always the transfer portal. Um, So regardless of what happens in this competition, Colorado's, I think, going to be in a pretty good place with this quarterback room. Um, and that's because I, I really like the quarterbacks that they have. Um, we've talked a little bit about JT Shroud. We've talked about Brendan Lewis. Um, we've spent some time on Drew Carter, but, you know, we've kind of... I've said all there is to say, basically, on this podcast today. Um, there is talent there. And, and I am excited about all three of these guys and what they can provide. And now I want to talk about Brendan and talk about JT and why I'm excited about them and how they could win the job. Um, and also, you know, I think what the coaching staff is looking for. You know what? Let's knock that out before this break. So I was at Media Day on Tuesday, um, as I've said plenty of times. Um, but I was sitting with uh, Brian Howell at one point from the Daily Camera. Um, and we talked for quite a while about a whole bunch of stuff, including the quarterbacks. Um, and he brought up a point kind of just on the spot. He was like, yeah, I just kind of thought of this right now. Like, but, but the thought was, you know, when you have Jarek Broussard, when you have uh, Alex Fontenot, Shad Clayton, um, all these running backs, 
how much production in the running game do you really need from your quarterback? And it's an interesting question. And I think that obviously the more production you get in general, the better. Um, I think that, you know, if, if you want to run the ball a lot, having a quarterback who can run is absolutely a weapon. You know, even if it just means turn turn things into read options, you know, just force one defender to account for the quarterback. Otherwise, you have a quarterback who gets the edge and can pick up a decent gain. You know, it just gives you one more player, essentially, offensively, or takes away one defender, I guess, is probably more realistic. Um, and so you do have that. At the same time, though, if you're running the ball well consistently against just about anybody, maybe what you want more so than the ability to take one defender away is the ability to take advantage of a defense that has all of its resources packed up close to the line of scrimmage. You know, if, if you're going to have safeties creeping up into the box, you're not going to have, you know, people deep defending the pass, maybe it is more valuable just to have somebody who can keep the defense honest by taking advantage of those situations and forcing those safeties to sit back a little bit and kind of open things up in the running game that way. Um, so while I do think that there's something to the idea that, you know what, you've got this offensive line that I think there's reason to be excited about. You've got potentially the best running back group in the Pac-12, and I think the the best running back in the Pac-12. Bleed into this ground game. Don't turn the ball over. Just ground and pound. Let the defense do basically the same thing on the other side, and good things are going to happen. I like it. But also, I wouldn't discount the idea that they could just say, hey, JT in camp is the one who's hitting all the simple throws. And if he can just hit those throws during games, either we're going to be able to pick up a lot of yards in the passing game because the safeties are creeping up, or the safeties are going to have to sit back and it's going to open everything up in the running game. And so I really don't think that the coaching staff is looking more in one direction than they are the other. Um, I, I, I do think that this is a fair competition between you know, first of all, players that they're willing to put on the field. I don't think they see it as one guy has a leg up or whatever. Um, and uh, I also don't think that they're looking for a specific style. I think they're willing to build around whoever the better football player is. Um, so, yeah. Um, the other thing that I guess I'll add, um, and this was something Brian pointed out as well, you know, Brendan Lewis wasn't this coaching staff's guy. You know, he was a Mel Tucker guy and, and that whole staff, you know, again, there's there's obviously some like holdover. You know, Chev was a part of that staff. Now, Chev is the offensive coordinator. So there are obviously like some ties. Um, but again, it's not like this was a guy that the coaching staff brought. And actually, the guy that the coaching staff did handpick is J.T. Shroud. Um, does it really matter? Probably not all that much. But as we get into this next month or so, just one more little detail to keep in mind. Um, again, like Chev was a part of that staff, and Chev is kind of their big recruiter, especially down in Texas. But also, you know, do you 
in Mel Tucker's staff, when he's going through this process, who do you need to sign off on the quarterback you're trying to bring in? First of all, you yourself, as Mel Tucker, have final say. But then you go to the offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach, who at the time were the same person. The receiver's coach, do you need him to necessarily sign off? No. I think that Chev probably likes him. I think that this entire new coaching staff probably likes him. But, again, we don't know that for sure just because of that coaching change. Um, so there we go. There's all that stuff. And we can talk about what they provide after this quick break that we are about to take. Uh, first of all, I want to tell you guys about Hassle Cattle Company. Hassle Cattle is the absolute best. Um, they take their registered bulls, they breed them with Angus cows, and they create the best blue-collar Wagyu beef you'll find. They call it blue-collar because it's affordable. They want to create a product that every man or woman can afford, and they're doing exactly that. Um, they, they make so many different products that you can check out at HassleCattleCompany.com, whether it's the New York Strip, the Wagyu Smoked Sausage, the Beef Bacon, Wagyu Frank without any fillers. They have a couple of different jerky flavors. Their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. So many incredible products, and you should check them all out. And if you decide to do that, uh, you can go to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Use the promo code DNVR10. That's DMVR on the number 10 for 10% off your order. That's DMVR 10 for 10% off any orders over $200, and you receive free shipping. Check them out. I promise you won't be disappointed. Also, want to give a shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings. They have a cool promotion that you can still get in on. It's very simple. You have to bet $1 on any event. Any event. Whether in the Olympics, I should say, did not say that part, Um, whether it's like rowing or rugby or, you know, DraftKings has betting odds for just about every event, maybe, maybe every event. Um, But you just pick one, you bet a dollar on it. And if you're a new user, then all you need is for America to win any medal. It doesn't even have to be in that event, just any medal. And you get one hundred dollars in free credits. It's a steal. Um, it really is that simple. You know, if you're a new better, you you have friends who've talked about betting. It's something you've been kind of curious about. You want to finally try it. This is the way to do it because, like I said, you bet one dollar. First of all, you might just hit that bet, and if you do that, well, then you just have straight up cash. Um, otherwise, you get a hundred dollars in free bets, and that is a great way to start your betting career because you know you start betting a dollar on everything. Well, then in three and a half months, your bank account or your DraftKings account is empty if you've missed every single bet, which is very unlikely. And if that's the case, then guess what? You blew a dollar and you should probably never bet again. Um, For the rest of us who can make at least a couple good picks, like I said, it's a great way to get that account started. Um, You should be able to turn that $100 in credits into like, I mean, if you're a bad better, you should be able to turn that into like 50 real dollars. And if you do that, then look at that return on investment. If you want to pull it out right then, if not, just keep playing because it is fun to play. Uh, so download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up. Turn $1 into $100 in free credits. 
if America wins a medal. That's code DMVR to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so um, there was one more note that I wanted to get to before we started talking about these guys, and that note was this. Um, This used to be a three-way quarterback competition. It used to be J.T. Shrout, Brendan Lewis, and Sam Neuer. Um, Sam, as you all likely know, transferred to Oregon State over the offseason, and I'm willing to say that, again, it's. I guess I haven't had anybody say to me firmly that, he knew he wasn't going to be the guy, but the couple of people that I have talked to about the situation have said, yeah, it's kind of the read that I got on the situation was that there, I mean, he probably realized the way things are going and wanted to go somewhere. We had a better opportunity to play Um, for that reason. I don't want to say like, it's not a loss to lose Sam Neuer, but I will say that I don't think he was going to be the starting quarterback this year. You know, is there a world where, he winds up as the number two quarterback and number one goes down and he gets in and plays. Yeah, that's the kind of situation where I think losing Sam Neuer hurts. Uh, the other situation is, you know, if JT Shrout wins the job, then maybe on third and short you have a package that Sam Neuer comes in and plays quarterback. You know, he's so good in short yarded situations, red zone situations that that sort of usage, kind of like as a Taysom Hill sort of guy, I think may have gained some traction. Although, again, you still look at it and say, if J.T. Shrout wins the job, well, then you still have Brendan Lewis on the bench who can do a lot of that stuff, even if he might not be quite as effective just because, you know, I don't I, I don't think he's a worse runner than Sam. I think that in goal line situations and short yardage situations, red zone situations, he's just not the style of runner you want because Sam was so powerful and would drag defenders with him. Brendan may be able to do some of that stuff too, but it's almost a guarantee not to the level Sam could. Um, on top of that, if if Brendan is the starter, you have a mobile quarterback in already, so you probably aren't too worried about those other packages. So, again, I don't think that losing Sam Neuer really changes who the starter is going to be. I do think, though, that if Sam Neuer stuck around, there may have been a couple of paths for him to see the field. And for that reason, and the fact that you know he, he was a good voice to have in the locker room, that is more so why I wish Sam was around um, versus him being off in Oregon at Oregon State. Okay, uh, who should we talk about first? Let's let's start with uh, let's start with JT. Um, JT, so Tennessee transfer didn't play all that much. Um, there were a couple of games, mostly late in the season, where he got in. Um, he was the number three quarterback there for basically the entire year. Um, he, you know, JT, or not JT, uh, what was his first name? Is it Jared Guarantano? Something, something Guarantano was the quarterback. Later in the year, he got benched um, because he wasn't playing all that well. Shrout got a couple of opportunities um, from the bio that Colorado put together. In his career, J.T. Shrout played in eight games. He started one. Um, He completed 37 of 69 passes. That's about 54% completion percentage. Um, 494 yards. 
which is, let me do the math here, 494 divided by 56, 8.8, oh, it's not 56, I meant 69. How did I forget the number 69? That's uh, that's off-brand. Um, little over seven yards per attempt, not bad. Five touchdowns, three interceptions, not blowing you out of the water, not bad. Um, he did last season... Um, playing four games, and in those four games, he was 24 of 42, completed 57% for 315, um, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Meh. He did have a touchdown against Texas A&M, um, two against Vanderbilt, um, career-high 12 completions against Florida, ranked number six at the time. Um, I think that's it for those numbers. He was the number 26 pro-style quarterback in 2018. Um, that's probably good on those stats. Here's what I'll say in going back and watching. Specifically going back and watching that Texas A&M game. Um, because he got some extensive work. Um, because that's an opponent we're going to see. And again, I think there's a lot to like. Um, the reason is, I think that what JT is best at is the hard stuff. Um, throwing balls up the seam, hitting on deep balls in general, getting balls out to the sideline um, 15 yards downfield. Um, that sort of stuff, I think that JT is really good at. And some of the other things, you know, that, that Texas A&M game, I think he missed a couple of screen passes, and one of them turned into, like, a fumble. Because, again, it's just a little screen pass to the running back. Simple little play. And JT sails it over the running back's head and out of bounds, and it's a loss of like six, seven yards. That part of his game can be kind of frustrating because it's not just on the screen passes, you know. I mean, there's like just normal swing passes too. There's also some short passes that he just misses. And you know that he has the arm to, to do things that are much tougher than that. It's just making sure that he is executing on the simple throws. And if he can do that, I think that there's you could talk yourself into him being the starter pretty easily. Um, for example, you know we talked about this earlier, but with the running game that Colorado is going to have, are you tempted just to have a quarterback that makes the safety sit back a little bit? I would be. And I think that if he can prove not only that he can hit the deep balls that will really make those safeties sit back, but that he can also take advantage of kind of the what's going on underneath when, say, the linebackers are blitzing and you have uh, some space in the middle of the field, some man coverage, you got some crossing routes to where the linebackers just left. You know, if he can start hitting on that kind of stuff too, then I think that you have a pretty dynamic offense. You know, you have a couple of pieces that work together in a way that makes you very difficult to defend. You know, I think that when you have a strong running game, you don't necessarily need to be winning and losing games based on the the throws that your quarterback can make. You just need to be able to not blow the, the opportunities that you do have. It becomes a game of taking what the defense gives you instead of creating splash plays. Now, like I said, I like JT's ability to create splash plays too. And there's obviously always going to be a place for that. Um, it's... It's just more so important that he can get the finer points of playing the position ironed out a little bit. 
And again, like I said, he was kind of that number three guy last year at Tennessee. That means you're not getting a whole lot of reps in practice. And I'm not sure what exactly the split was. And, you know, the work kind of that that quarterback room was kind of consistently changing. And because of that, first of all, I wouldn't be surprised if at various points he was getting more like closer to number one quarterback reps, likely number two quarterback reps. But on top of that, if because they knew that the quarterback situation was kind of up in the air for most of JT's time there, that they did kind of balance out the reps a little bit and give JT more. So, again, still raw. He's a... What is he technically? He was at Tennessee for three years. One of those is a redshirt year. One of those doesn't count for eligibility. And that's why he's technically a redshirt sophomore this season. Um still obviously a chance to uh improve um to grow it's not like he's hit his ceiling or anything um he was around in the spring which is a, a huge piece of the puzzle here um he's not starting behind the the eight ball I mean he kind of was and that's something that we've heard about during camp at this point though yeah Carl did say on Tuesday, like he's done a great job picking up the offense. He understands everything, all that kind of stuff. And that's what you want to hear. Um, so yeah, the other thing about JT that needs to improve is, uh, just his feel in the pocket, you know, especially for somebody who is a pocket passer. Um, he does have some mobility for sure. Um, he isn't just like a statue back there. But he's not necessarily somebody, I mean, you're not probably going to be reading or running read options with him. Or if you do, maybe it's one a game just to keep the defense off guard. You know, he's not somebody who you're relying upon to contribute, especially when you have the running backs that you have there. Um, You know, in terms of the pocket awareness, I go back to a couple of snaps. They might have even been back-to-back snaps in the uh, Buff Spring Showcase. Um this spring where on one of them the I think JT just kind of like drifted out the back of the pocket a little bit and an edge rusher got around the outside and got to him and I think the next play he tried to cut inside like that right tackle again was kind of like blocking his guy going out wide around the pocket and JT tried to step up between the guard and tackle and get out to the right and you know get some more space some time to find somebody open um, but that time the, the the guy on the edge just was coming inside right there and, and caught him right there and so those are just like the little things where hey if he had flipped those if he's had a little bit better feel for what was going on over there maybe both of those plays he's able to extend and at the very least you know turn it into a situation where it isn't in a real game going to end in a sack um so, again, JT has a strong arm. He's he's fairly accurate downfield. He's made some big plays happen. Um, he can drive the ball to tight ends up the seam. I think that for Brady Russell, that's something in particular you look at. Um, you know, third down, you know, third and eight. If you can just get Brady running up that seam and just drill a ball in there, you know, I think that that's a play that works with JT Shrout and a play that you feel pretty good about. Um, probably even comparatively to Brendan Lewis. 
It's just some of that other stuff, some of the check down. Is he going to consistently hit the open throws? Is he accurate enough? Um, and, and if he is that during camp, again, I, I think that he has a very real chance of winning this job. Um, so that's kind of, I think, basically everything you need to know about JT at this point. Um, we'll probably be hearing more and more during camp. Um, and again, eventually see him in some sort of like false scrimmage. They, I think that's usually one that they have that's open to the public. Um, and we'll see. And we'll see during the season. Um, I guess let's let's take one more really quick break before we get to uh, get to uh, Brendan. Um, Ball, as in as in so many different things. Um, Ball is sponsoring us right now across the entire DMVR network. Um, you might know them from Ball Arena from making all of the cups that the buffs serve beer in. I think that CU was actually the first athletics department to sign a deal to do that with ball a couple of years ago. Um, you could also know them from uh, cans just in general, like 101 billion cans they made last year. That's a, that's a huge number, 101 billion. So you've absolutely been drinking out of ball cans before. I've got three empty ball cans of coffee sitting on this desk right now. Um, it's a it's a really great company. You know, you might hear 101 billion cans and think, huh, that that's a lot of things that we're piling into the landfill. It's like, actually, no, because 75% of all aluminum that has ever been creative, created is still in use today because it is so recyclable. There's basically like no loss when you recycle it. Um, and that's the kind of thing that Ball is super into. You know, they're, they're into sustainability. They're cutting their emissions. They're, uh, you know, they've, they've gotten great grades for like their ethically ethical stuff in terms of how they run their business, including a 100% corporate equality index score from the Human Rights Campaign. Um, and they have a 400-person plant in Golden, Colorado that is hiring right now. Again, they've all of the big reviewers of places to work have good things to say about Ball um, and, you know, take their word for it. Uh, if you're interested, you can uh, check out uh, hashtag work at ball online. Uh, you can also text golden to 77222 or just go to jobs.ball.com and search for golden. Uh, it's jobs.ball.com and search for golden or simply text golden to 77222. All right. So, Brendan, um, the, the basics, you know, he was a true freshman last year, one of the highest rated prospects in the 20, let's see, that would have been the 2020 class, and the 2020 class was one of the really good classes that the Buffs have brought in recently, maybe like the best of the last seven or eight years if you trust what the recruiting websites have to say. Um, and like I said, he was the toward the top of that, like top, he was three or four somewhere in there. Um Talented, uh, fast, uh, good size, and he seems smart. Teammates like him. Seems like a, a good guy in the couple of times that I've had a chance to talk with him. And because of all of those things, it is really 
really, really easy to get excited about Brendan Lewis. Um, you know, he, he didn't play at all last year during the regular season, but he did get in to Colorado's bowl game against Texas, and things went really well. You know, this is another one that Carl was talking about on Tuesday. Basically said, you know, he he graded out positively. He did a lot better than I think a lot of young quarterbacks would have done in that situation. And the coaching staff has pretty much been high on him whenever we've talked about him with them. Um, is that really a surprise? No. I didn't expect Carl to come in and say, actually, you've been really disappointed with the work that Brendan's put in over the summer. Um, the odds of that were very slim. Uh, but it's definitely I mean, definitely a good thing to hear. Um, in terms of what we actually saw when he did play, let's just go through the numbers first. You know, he was 6 of 10. Um, that's obviously a 60% completion percentage. 95 yards, so 9.5 yards per attempt. Uh, didn't throw a touchdown. Didn't throw an interception. Um, average depth of target was a little over 15 yards downfield. That's a that's a solid number. That's a pretty decent number. Um, actually, his adjusted completion percentage was 75%. And it looks like there might have been a throw that was batted at the line of scrimmage, but I don't remember that. Um, he also scrambled four times, um, picked up some decent yardage. You'll remember there was also a couple of read option plays. One that went for maybe 30, 35 yards. Um, one that was like a five-yard touchdown. Again, he played well in that game, especially considering what else we saw in that game. You know, he, he came in when the Buffs were down 14-0, and I think he led them on three touchdown drives over the course of the game. Wasn't enough for them to be competitive in the game at all, but... It was enough to say, hey, there's there's some positive signs we can point you to here. Uh, hit on some deep balls. Uh, hit on some underneath throws. Um, another number that I want to go through. Actually, here, let's do this first. So, he only threw two passes that were 20-plus yards downfield. Completed one of them for 26 yards. That's solid. 10 to 20 yards. Um, he was 2 of 3 for... 41 yards again solid and then zero to 10 yards he was three of three for 28 yards he was thrown to all sorts of different places he was thrown in the middle he was thrown to the sidelines a lot to like a lot to like um in terms of some of the more particular numbers here's one that stands out so all six of his completions um again he was six of ten he was six of eight when he was kept clean. On the two plays where he was under pressure, he didn't complete a pass. Um, and it doesn't even... Huh. Yeah, it didn't complete a pass. And on both of those two plays, those are the only two plays he was blitzed. So, a couple of things you take away there. First of all, young quarterback was better in a clean pocket. Is that a surprise? Not at all. Um, but... What I do think is interesting is that the two times he was blitzed were the two times he was pressured. I think that a lot of the time, 
that's an area where I think good quarterbacks succeed when they're blitzed um, because there is so much space behind the blitz. And because, you know, if you think back, you know, Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday were seeing every blitzer that was coming before the snap. They knew where there was going to be a gap in the defense, um, and they took advantage of that. That's something that comes with time. And I think that those are the sorts of things that Brendan Lewis is going to need to to develop. It's just a feel for, you know, pressures coming from this way. That means somebody's probably open behind that pressure, and I've just got to look it in the face and make the pass. Um, three of four off of play action. Three of six off of no play action. Again, not the biggest difference I will say that for some reason pro football focus really liked his playoff of play action um, in terms of just like their grades and again that makes sense and that's something that you probably want to do for a couple of reasons first of all because it cuts the field in half you know if you're faking the run to the left rolling out to the right well now you're only looking at the right side of the field. You've got a lot of receivers coming across. It's a lot easier than sitting in the pocket, looking left, looking right, figuring out what's going on with the entire defense versus just this little part that you're trying to pick on. Um, so that's definitely something um, that you expect to incorporate for that reason because he's a young quarterback. Also expect to incorporate it because he's a fast quarterback. And it makes sense that he should be good when he's running away from um, the – the I don't even know, not the line of scrimmage because he's not, um, but, you know, from where the defensive line, where the pass rush is going to be. And then, of course, third reason, you have a very good running game um, that is going to open things up off of play action because the defense is going to bite on it. Um, he was actually 0 for 1 on the screen passes. I don't remember that one either. Um, but, again, he was blitzed. You, you should be completing that pass, though, unless it was just totally sniffed out. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the big thing with Brendan, you know, how effective is he in the passing game? Because we saw him rip off a couple of big runs. Um, that is obviously something that he is capable of. I think it's it's easy to see how that fits into the current offense, although seeing how he could pick apart a defense that is overcommitting to the run game will be very important in his evaluation. Um, if he becomes, you know, kind of even just like a game manager type in the passing game, he can see where guys are getting open and just feed them the ball. That might be enough for him to win this job because he provides so much else and because, you know, you saw an offense with a running quarterback work well last year. Um yeah, I think that those are all my thoughts there. So, again, like to recap, I do think that Brendan is probably the favorite. I think it's probably 60-40 right now that, that he gets this job. Um, JT, though, you could see how he could really provide something special. Now, again, if they're equal passers, well, the job is going to go to Brendan. If JT can be a, a kind of special type of passer... Or, you know, if Brendan just can't get the simple throws down, which again, a question for JT too, but but Brendan really just limits himself and, and proves that he's not ready to play yet, 
then that's, I guess, the other path for JT. Otherwise, JT, I think, really does need to show something special. He needs to be hitting on deep balls in camp. He can't be missing on short throws. Um, that's just the the life of being uh, a pocket passer in a quarterback competition against a dual-threat quarterback. Um, worth noting that JT has two years more experience in college football and is two years older, two years more filled out, all that kind of stuff. Also has more experience playing football. Those things are going to benefit him. And, you know, just to close this out, I think that we will see both of these guys start games. Um, There's just too many different paths to that happening. Uh, First one is, obviously, one of them disappoints. And, you know, you you say, okay, let's, let's go with JT. He looks sharp in camp. But then you get into the season, it's like, ah, oh, this isn't, we, we just need a spark. You know, it's late in the game, we got to get something going. Let's put Brendan in, see what happens. You know, and he plays kind of well, well enough to get the job next week. Um, or that exact same thing happens, but with the roles reversed. Um, more likely, maybe, is that somebody gets hurt, especially if it's Brendan. You know, you're a running quarterback, you're going to get banged up over the course of a 12-game season. Um Again, you knock on wood and hope all those things don't happen, but it's definitely a good situation to have two quarterbacks you're willing to put out there. Maybe that's a little bit of an assumption at this point, but you know what? I, I like them both. I do like them both. It's going to be excited to see how this thing goes. Um, I guess Carl did say he doesn't expect to make a decision in the first couple of weeks of camp. So if camp starts next week, you start looking into the August 20s for a decision. And if it's a good competition, which we should probably hope that it is, it might be into the 30s um, with the first game coming September 4th, I believe. So, yeah, um, those are those are basically all my thoughts on these quarterbacks. And uh, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Um, I'll see you guys on Monday.